If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Nonprofit Hour Show from the Media Institute for Social Change. Coming up now, we have a revisit to our very first episode in celebration of our anniversary. Here is Phil Bussey and Jenny Logan. This is the Nonprofit Hour. I'm Jenny Logan with my co-host Phil Bussey, and we're here with uh, Vivian Satterfield and Jared Franz from Opal. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good Thank morning. you both for coming in. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And so let's. So Opal, what what, what does that stand for? Opal stands for Organizing People, Activating Leaders. So we're an environmental justice organization here, uh, located in Portland, Oregon. So what? Mm-hmm. Uh, organizing people, activating leaders. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we do is we do community organizing uh, in low-income communities and communities of color to increase their capacity to advocate uh, for more just transit systems, more affordable housing, cleaner air, uh, and giving them a voice in decision-making locally about things that most impact them. Uh, Yet they're most often the ones excluded from decision-making processes. So talk about the concept of environmental justice. What, where did that come from and, and what does that mean? Environmental justice really has roots in the civil rights movement. So another way to think about it is about environmental racism. Um, you know, who is benefiting from uh, our, our progress and who really has to shoulder the burdens um, of development and other things like that. And so it uh, really rose out of the civil rights movement. And it's about building power and all having a right to the city. Um, who has a right to travel in an urban environment, who has a right to um, have benefits to our natural green space and all the benefits that we have here. I mean, immediately what jumps to mind is a place like Richmond, California, where there's uh, oil refinery, but it's in you know the poorest place and it's a poorest neighborhood. And, and, and it's there because nobody really had the opportunity to say no. Is that, am I, am I on base with that? Those are sort of the incidents that you guys are are working to stop yeah it's it's not just that that's exactly the kind of thing that we work on but it's not just about stopping bad stuff Um, bad things end up in low-income communities and communities of color because there's a lack of social capital there are land use decisions that steer those kinds of investments into those neighborhoods but it's also about getting the good stuff into those neighborhoods it's about getting parks into low-income communities getting good public transportation affordable housing um grocery stores even can you talk about some concrete stuff that you worked on in portland Sure. So um, our most visible project is Bus Riders Unite. Um, We organize transit riders, specifically bus riders, um, to really advocate to have a voice at the decision-making table when it comes to decisions around public transportation, where bus stops are located, how routes are being changed, fares, for example. Um, So Bus Riders Unite is a grassroots membership base um, that has a lot of folks who are really passionate about advocating for issues that they care about, because as we all know, transit's about access to opportunity, not just about getting from point A to point B. And Bus Riders Unite has seen a lot of concrete changes locally. Um, TriMet's budget, for example, if you look at it now, it's it's very different than it was a few years ago. Um, it's still a 300-page, nearly impenetrable document, but it's more understandable than it used to be. It used to be 
the definition of a non-transparent budget. And they used to find clever ways of hiding things that they didn't want the public to know about. For example, last year, when they hid executive raises in their contingency or emergency fund, um, the hiding of those raises was something that we helped to expose. And TriMet now has actually adopted policies about how their contingency fund, emergency fund is used, what level it gets set at. And things like anticipated raises are now included explicitly in the budget instead of just sort of hidden away in the contingency fund. And then you also said, I mean, obviously, transportation is very important. Uh, Grocery stores. What's uh, there? There's new seasons everywhere in the city. What's the problem? So, you know, where things are located really has to do with land use decisions. And um, that's something that folks might not understand. They may think it's too complicated or may find disinteresting. Um, But, you know, where things are located really matters. And so housing is actually an issue that Opal's been working on in the last few years, really looking at what the zoning decisions are to where to put housing. Um, Are all affordable units, are all affordable rental housing, you know, really far away from grocery stores? Um, are we concentrating certain areas uh, full of lots of amenities and good stuff, and then other neighborhoods just don't really have access to that good stuff? Um, those are the sort of things that we like to get involved in because our membership really calls us to, to do so. Yeah, I was going to add that it's also about finding appropriate grocery stores that are, that are uh, culturally relevant to the different communities, um, provide the kinds of food or, or other goods that the community wants at an affordable price. Um, you know, New Seasons isn't for everyone. This is Phil Bussey. I'm here with my co-host, Jenny Logan. It's the Nonprofit Hour. And, and again, we're talking about Opal and environmental justice. And uh, you guys have a membership base. Can you explain what that means? Sure. So... Our name is Organizing People, Activating Leaders, and we are a grassroots organization, and we go out talking to low-income individuals, uh, low-income bus riders, uh, as our primary project, to organize them to affect change in their communities. And what we, the way that we do that is go out on the bus. Uh, that tends to be the place you find bus riders. Um, <laughs> Also at transit Very stations. Of you. Yeah. Uh, and what we do, we go out with our staff and with other members who have been with us for a longer time. And we literally get on buses and just talk to people about their experience riding the bus, any barriers that they have, things that are working well for them that maybe TriMet could do more. Uh, and then we invite them to come to to membership meetings where we provide food and education, political education, opportunities to get involved uh, and help them to demystify some of the decision-making processes and things like the 300-page TriMet budget or land use laws or things like that so that people that are most impacted by these decisions are starting to have a meaningful uh, opportunity to influence those decisions. I just want to get a picture of what's happening here. So you're walking onto the bus and you're putting down your soapbox and you're you're standing on it like heary heary, or are you are you saddling up to an individual and uh, talking to them one on one? How how exactly are you dressing them? Because I'm picturing uh, you with a clipboard, <laughs> um, but correct me if I'm wrong. No, we, we do have clipboards, right. um, and we don't 
carry soapboxes with us, but a carry, occasionally the bus driver, we, we have a fairly good relationship with the Amalgamated Transit Union, uh, and occasionally the bus driver will allow us to make an announcement on the overhead speaker. Or we'll just yell. Or we'll just <laughs> yell. Some of us have very loud voices, uh, but mostly it's that one-to-one contact. You just walk up with a clipboard uh, and sit down next to somebody and ask them how they're doing, ask them what their experience with transit is, what can be better. You usually don't have to prompt people very much. Uh, They're more than happy to tell you, particularly in East Portland, where public transportation is, let's just say, terrible. Uh, They're more than anxious to tell you what needs to be improved. And all you really have to do is kick off the conversation, and then we collect their contact information so that we can follow up with them and try to develop them as community leaders. It sounds cheesy to ask, you know, do you ride this bus often? But that's, (laughs) quite frankly, the opening line I use. And uh, folks are always really ready to tell their stories, mostly because no one's ever asked them and actually meaningfully listened to them. Interesting. So... Between the number of people that you approach and the number of people that you sort of retain as part of your movement or part as part of your membership, what what are those numbers like for you? You know, it's tough because you're really trying to convince people to move away from apathy and into mm-hmm. a place of hope. And especially when service keeps getting cut, when buses are late, um, when there's a lot of stress and agitation having to do with riding public transportation it's a big hurdle to get over for people to think that they can really enact change. Um, But it's really about finding that one person who has a little glimmer of hope and who has a little bit of excitement. And when you lead them through some political education, when you really build a relationship with them, when you become friends with them, when you have them over to your house and have dinner, when you go out for coffee um, on a rainy day, you know, that's actually what keeps them really forever. Building the relationship. Absolutely. I'm here with Jared Franz, Vivian Satterfield from Opal and a lot of what you guys do is you do. You get on the bus, and, and it's very, I mean, it's, it's, it's really exciting sort of civil rights movement, uh, grassroots, meeting people one-on-one, finding out what they're not getting. I, I, it's, I, it sounds really exciting and really, uh, especially in, in, in a world that's increasingly done by social media and, and done maybe a little bit more uh, without that, that person-to-person interaction, you guys are very much... Uh, you know, interacting with people. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, how did each of you get involved in this kind of work? Um, I've been involved, uh, interested in environmental justice for a really long time. Um, I've only lived in Portland for about four years now, but have a long history of being involved in civil rights movements, social justice movements, um, and environmentalism. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Uh, but lived in St. Louis and Germany and South Africa before ultimately ending up in Portland. Uh, And it's my experiences in those different cities that really kind of made me disillusioned with what we call the mainstream environmental movement uh, and the sort of racial and class blindnesses that are part of that movement, unfortunately, and more interested in environmental justice. So I actually moved to Portland to study environmental justice and was disappointed but encouraged at the same time to find out there's only there's really very few environmental justice organizations here as famous as portland is for being an environmental city there's very little people who are working on the civil rights and uh, social justice side of that equation um but i was happy enough to find opal and get involved with opal i've been transit dependent my entire life uh although i did share a car with somebody for a few years let's let's just 
Full, Full disclosure. disclosure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I have been transit dependent my entire life, and I know what it's like to have to go to the grocery store on the bus or try to make it to a job interview uh, on the bus, carrying uh, you know groceries home or trying to make appointments on time. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a sort of natural fit for me. Not only was I interested in the environmental justice movement, I had studied environmental justice before moving to Portland. But when I found Opal and the Bus Riders Unite campaign and recognizing that this was a part of my own identity as a trans-dependent individual... That was just a natural fit for you. Yeah, couldn't help but get involved. And what's your title now, officially, at Opal? I am the Law and Policy Associate, so I do most of the legal and policy analysis stuff. Okay. And Vivian, how about you? Um, Environmental justice really found me. You know, I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, um, in the inner city. And some of my earliest memories uh, were of, you know, waiting on the L stop, which is completely exposed in the middle of winter um, with my mother, who worked at a low income job downtown in the hotels and, you know, waiting for the train with her. And then because we couldn't afford childcare, um, being sort of left to different open hotel rooms while she worked her shifts. So, you know, when I. And Chicago's not a warm city during the winter time. (laughs) have heard of something, you know, there's a rumor that it's not nice during the winter. <laughs> um, so, you know, I moved out to, to Portland by, by way of Chicago and Hong Kong um, to really kind of for better climate, quite frankly, um, but also for a change in scenery. Uh, and I was really pleasantly surprised to see that there actually was a lot of movements that were about um, finding kind of a right to the right to the city, this urban environmental justice frame. So I kind of moved from affordable housing um, over to, to Opal, which really seemed to make sense for me and really fit with uh, how I saw change could be enacted. I, I think that's fantastic. And, and something that, that Opal does is you have a summer youth organizing camp. Can I call it a camp? Seminars? It's really a training program. So it's the organizer and training program. We call it the OIT program. Um, This will be the fifth year, the fifth summer we're taking it on. So we bring in, it's a very competitive process, and we bring in for young people to really have this intensive boot camp. So they do a lot of training and seminars and workshops during the first part of the day. And then um, in the second half of the day, it's all about field work, all about being out in the buses, transit centers. There's a lot of events going on during the summer. Um, so really being out in the community and organizing people. And so it's nine weeks of um, just by the end of the nine weeks, they come out um, as fresh organizers who are really ready to take on the work in a more meaningful way. And it's, uh, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, certainly both of your stories, <clears throat> having a certain movement from personal experiences into into wanting to motivate and inspire and, and provide other people with that, that information. It seems like that's that's a natural fit for the organization. Absolutely. It's all about developing leadership. And, you know, our young people um, are just so ready and, and so ripe uh, just for this type of education because it's not being taught in schools. Um, there's so many histories that are not being included. And so we're really offering this program as a way to bring these histories alive, to bring it to the forefront and to still continue it. Um, you know, last night, actually, I was just watching The Punk Singer um, and Kathleen Hanna was one of my primary influences. That was the first sort of social movement that opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, you can do it yourself. If it's not working for you, you do have a voice. There, there are women, there are girls like us who can, you know, really be out in the streets and assert their own space. And so, I just see this OIT program as an opportunity for us to light that inspiration for another young person that you can be involved, you can enact change, and the time is now. We'd like to hear a little bit about how people can get involved in this organization. 
Absolutely. So, um, you know, first of all, we have, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that if the OIT program sounded like a really fantastic thing that you want to support, you can find information on our website, opalpdx.org. We also have a Facebook and Twitter account, all with the same opalpdx um, hashtag. (laughs) Actually, I I would love for you guys to talk a little bit about just the organization itself and, and in terms of where do you guys find funding and, and what sort of staff do you, do you have? We are a tiny operation. Uh, besides Jaren and myself, we have an executive director and a full-time youth organizer as well. So we really rely on volunteers and people who are really passionate about this issue to come and be involved. Um, we open our doors every first Saturday of the month, and we do a short one-hour training on how to go out and talk to strangers on the bus. Mm. It's actually easier than you may think. Um, and then we go out on the buses and actually do it and recruit people. So if you've never done organizing or if you've done a lot of organizing and you think that Bus Riders United is something that you want to get involved in for Saturdays of the month is a really great opportunity to do so. And I, I would have to imagine you guys are both now very good at just talking to strangers on a bus, on a train, on a plane, anywhere. I mean, this, these are great skills and skills also that, that uh, maybe translate also into being a great leader. Absolutely. And in addition to teaching people or making people more comfortable with just talking to strangers. We provide all kinds of training at Opal, and there's a lot of different ways to get involved. Um, On the third Wednesday of every month, we do a political education. Uh, This month, it is a nonviolent resistance and direct action training that everyone is welcome to attend. That's at the Opal office, 2409 Southeast 49th. Also uh, uh, and that's accessible from, by bus. Also accessible mm-hmm. by the 4, the 14, and the 71. Uh, and that, that training is from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And then on the last Friday of every month, we have our Bus Riders Unite general membership meeting. And people are always welcome to attend that. Again, it's at the Opal office from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We start serving food at all of our meetings about a half hour before they start. And we do offer translation services as well. Great. And this, all, I mean, if people missed some of the information, they can find it at your website. Yes. Great. Right. Which is www.opalpdx.org. Great. J- Jared Franz, Vivian uh, Satterfield, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that Opal's doing. Thank you guys for being out there on the bus, uh, buses and, and uh, helping people find more of a voice and, and some leverage to do something about things. Yeah, thanks so much. When you see our organizers out on the bus, go ahead and give them a high five. They deserve it. All right. <laughs> All right excellent. Thank you, guys. Hey, well, this was really fun. This is uh, talking to nonprofits, and this is something we are, are planning to do every week. Yes, so we will be back next week we'll with be back. another interview with another great local nonprofit. And uh, in the meantime, uh, yeah, we will see you next week. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. That brings us to the end of the show for this week. We'd like to thank our special live guest on the show this week, Kimberly Irvin of Pyramid Communications and Mississippi Pizza for helping us celebrate our show's anniversary. If you enjoyed our Memory Lane interview with Opal, then keep an ear tuned for a follow-up interview with them to air in an upcoming show in which they bring us up to date on their current activities. To find out when that piece will be broadcast, and since the focus of our live talk at the top of the hour was about social media, you can keep up to date with future Nonprofit Hour episodes via our Facebook page 
or our Twitter handle at NonprofitHour and our SoundCloud page with archives of past episodes. If you'd like to find out how you can support the Media Institute's mission, please visit MediaMakingChange.org or to make a suggestion about an organization that should be featured on the Nonprofit Hour show, you can contact me via email to jason.dennington at xray.fm. The show has been produced and edited by myself, Jason Dennington, and is recorded at the production studios of X-Ray FM. Great thanks to the Media Institute for Social Change, our regular hosts, Phil Bussey and Julie Falk, as well as one of our original hosts, Jenny Logan. KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM, and most of all to you, our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to have you join us again next week at noon on Monday for the Nonprofit Hour Show. Thank you.